Well, good morning on this beautiful Monday, chilly day. It's October 23rd, 2023, and this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that we're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. What a day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. We are here today just celebrating his goodness and his kindness, and we're praying for you today as well as all the, all that's going on throughout the day. Um, I don't think, uh, for some reason, I don't think Grayson has school today, so I was going to say we're praying for our kiddos to go to school. We're off on Mondays. I don't think Grayson has, so I'm not sure about Brett County, so if any kiddos going to school today, we pray for them. How's that? What's the occasion? I have no idea. Uh-huh. Professional have, development day. Oh, do we get those here? On Mondays. <laughs> you're, you're here to develop us professionally? <laughs> um, we, we schedule all those on Mondays. <laughs> all those. So we do them all throughout the year, huh? Yeah. I get that. I get that. Uh, I think Breck has school. I saw kids out there. Yeah. At the bus stop. I did. I think that you think you're right. I saw the bus out there, too. Um, well, people out there waiting. So, but um, we're praying for the kiddos, though. They go to school today. Safe trip and safe day. And um, we're just praying for all those who are traveling, all those who are doing anything. Just praying for you this morning. And if you have anything you want us to pray for you, um, we'd love to hear from you and pray with you and connect faith with you. Um, 270-257-2689 is the number you can call the station and say, hey, do you all care to pray for us about this? And we'd love to pray. If not, you can text me at 270-230-6337. Again, that's 270-230-6337. And that's the best way probably to get a hold of us sometimes, especially during the mornings, is to text that number. You can also engage or interact with the broadcast by texting that number. you got a Bible question, we'd love to help you. Um, we don't know everything, but we know one who does know everything. And um, there's a lot of, we'll, we'll try our hardest and give you an honest attempt to get that answer, um, that question answered as well. Maybe you just have something to interject or an opinion or something that goes with it, or maybe you just ate a really good food and you want to share with us what you ate. Um, so maybe you could stimulate us into going to eat that same restaurant or perfect, you know, like get us going, get us moving, get us going. Because <laughs> um, we love food and we like to hear what the latest good food is. And um, I did have the Chick-fil-A uh, pimento cheese chicken sandwich is that good oh yeah it's good yeah I had it over the weekend huh i've um, heard people say it's good <laughs> yeah i was i was out with some uh some friends friday night and i'd just eaten and they stopped at chick-fil-a and i wanted one so badly they uh friend i was ordering my brother-in-law um and his friend um they were ordering and he ordered it, and I, I wanted one so bad. I almost took it from him. <laughs> but I had just eaten, so you know I couldn't justify it. So anyway, Saturday we were out, and I, I got one. It was good. It yeah. Was good. Well, and you, honey on it, too. I'm sure your face. A messy, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure your face showed how much you really want that. Yeah, I was in the back seat, so they couldn't see. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I haven't I haven't had Chick Fil A in a while. Um, I know it is you know it's God's chicken supposedly. So um, you think? Let's see, is Chick Fil A God's chicken or are you a chicken favorite of somebody else? Um, I prefer Zaxby's. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like Slim Chickens too. Yeah, I will say I like if I could have Chick Fil A's waffle fries with Zaxby's. Mm-hmm. Um, chicken strip sandwiches. You know what are they? What are they called? The mini things. I don't know. They're good though. Oh, they're good. If I could have the waffle fries of Chick Fil A, 
the chicken strip sandwiches of Zaxby's and the sweet tea of Milo's, then we're we're cooking at that point. Um, that would be one great meal. Um, so if somebody can make that happen, that would be pretty incredible. Um, and then I was I was eating something the other day, and I thought of Jason. It was uh, the taffy because you asked that one time. How can it be salt? Why do they sell saltwater taffy in Gatlinburg? Yeah. You asked about that. No one's ever answered that question. You were very perplexed, and it seemed like it was a troubling question from the depth of your heart, um, which makes a very good statement because, well, there is no salt water in Gatlinburg unless they put salt water in the Titanic Museum in that little <laughs> that one place where you got to put your hand in there in the cold. I don't know. Maybe that's where they make their saltwater taffy. Could be. Maybe that's where they make it. Do you really use salt water in saltwater taffy? I have no idea. Huh. They say the salt water's coming up the Mississippi because it's so dry, you know, but I don't I don't know if it's... <laughs> That's still a long way to put the salt water from the Mississippi to the Gatlinburg. Right. Um, we're going to... Somebody's, somebody's smart out there. Do you have to have... Do you actually use salt water in saltwater taffy, or is that just the name of it? Um, that would be a very good trivia question. Can you put that as a Bible trivia question in the book of... In Acts chapter 29, it's questioned, uh, is salt water using salt water taffy? Uh, but this is the week of the chili cook-off, and so speaking of salt water, there's nothing to do with salt water at the chili cook-off, but we do have a dunk booth, and there will be water in that. And so we're going to have a great time Saturday night. We're going to uh, invite everybody out to come join us that evening. All the festivities start around 4.30 um, with the silent auction beginning. We'll eat at 5 if you want your chili in the chili cook-off. Uh, 3.30 is the way to make that happen. And we had some uh, – <clears throat> We had, uh, me and Heather visited a Liberation's Church last night. Great service. Um, Brother Daniel Dennis did a great job preaching, and it was great to see Pastor Jacob McClure, and he's going to be on here soon. Hannah, he said he's going to get with you soon and get that scheduling, mm -hmm. but he seemed really excited about coming on. I was told how excited I am for him to come on. And they just remodeled their church down there. It looks beautiful, and uh, it's just a great service, great time to be in the presence of the Lord with them. And um, we try to round up some some of them to come Saturday night, and I may even got a couple of them to maybe put their chili in the cook-off. So uh, I tried my hardest, and um, they seem interested. So, well, the winner of their chili cook-off, I talked to him, and I said, won't you bring your chili to our cook-off and see what you got? huh?" <laughs> uh, and so I was trying to challenge them. But it's going to be a great night. Again, if you want your chili cook-off, chili in the cook-off, it's free. Um, 3.30 is the time to get that in um, because we have three non-biased judges that um, they don't know whose chili's who. It's three biased judges, non-biased judges, sorry. Um, and um, they're going to taste test it all, and they're going to give a winner. Uh, we have a mild, medium, and hot category. And the winner, there's winners for each of those department, um, departments or categories, whatever you want to say. And then there's one overall winner. Did, they, did they have a three categories? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Just the best. Um, just the best. <laughs> um, and so, again, mild, medium, and hot. So you're going to be the one that judges that, which one you should be under. Um, Jacob Swift said he's going to make one that's hot enough that you need a liability for him to actually eat. So that's going to be really hot. Um, I'm not trying that one. I don't eat chili. And so I think my somebody's making, somebody's making potato soup. So that's probably what I'll migrate to is my the potato soup bow. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm really excited for Saturday night. We have a lot of great auction items, a lot of great sponsors. 
Um, a lot of businesses that have endorsed tables and sponsored those on behalf of the Rep Youth Ranch to help it out. Um, we had uh, a salvage grocery store in Litchfield, Miss Pam. Uh, she donated a ton of stuff to help us, forks, plates, um, tons of hot dogs. Uh, she gave us a whole box of saltine crackers, and um, she loaded my wife up the other day, and we couldn't be more appreciative right there. It's a new it's a new salvage store right there off the main street by uh, Mr. Getty's, and okay. so she was very kind and generous and really helped us out. So we appreciate her and what she did for the Ref River Youth Ranch Chili Cook-Off. And so we just invite you to come out. The kiddos, they'll have a lot of games. We have the water bottle flip game. Uh, we have the um, ring toss, you know, where you have Coke bottles in the little section. You can toss rings. And so we got that game. We got the dunking booth. Uh, we're going to have um, airplane <clears throat> game where you have to make your own airplane and fly it into a hole. And there's a lot of creative things that Sarah and Heather um, created for this on recreation and the games. And the, it's going to be a lot of fun there. And now this year we tried, we're doing something new too. Used to be, it's like, um, so much, you just bought a ticket every time. Mm -hmm. And Jason, you were our parent then. It gets really annoying. Every five <laughs> seconds, a kid, I need another ticket. I need another ticket. <laughs> so this year we have got our way around it. And, um, <clears throat> we're going to like, I think it's either eight or $10 per kid for unlimited play, but it maxes out at 30 for a family. Okay. And so that's much easier because I can guarantee you I spent more money than that last year. And about any kid that had more than three kids did too. And so, and then some kids, some parents with two kids spent more than that because every five seconds a kid, give me another ticket. And so we're trying to de-stress the parents a little bit so they can enjoy the night too and not be asked for a ticket every five seconds. So they'll be able to like, they'll have like a little bracelet or um, something to show that they did the, the, um, unlimited play for the games and there's going to be a couple of other games but they'll get prizes too throughout the night the only thing that's not going to be included on the unlimited play is the dunking booth and so that's going to be a separate thing um but it's going to be a great night um we're excited for it uh all the again all that all the money raised goes towards the refer youth range and the ministry back there and so we just appreciate um that ministry and all the kids that it has impacted and it's going to be a great night for the family so if you want to come out while the adults are in the auction and there is a lot of great auction items we got so far and still some coming in and the boys made a piece for the auction and uh, but while the the adults are in the auction which starts at six um, there will be a hayride for the young ones be going out so it's gonna be a great night we're just excited for the whole time and we'll invite you guys out amen and then potter's hope uh brother lance um, he will be there this Wednesday night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We will not be having service here at Bethel Fellowship. Um, main class or youth um, will be going over there and um, being in service with them. And it's a crusade for souls. Um, Pastor Wayne says, let my people go. Um, and so that's mm -hmm. been their theme all year long. And um, he's praying and believing for letting his, the, his people go. Amen. And so that starts at 6.33 p.m. nightly. And then we have Thursday night, uh, Man Up at Clark's Community is going on as well. That starts at 6.30 for anybody that wants to go over to Man Up. All right, uh, Hannah, am I missing anything? I don't think so. I think that wraps up this week's announcement for the most part. If you guys have any other events for us, we'll get those on the, the page yes. as soon as possible. <laughs> All righty. Um, we have been working in Hebrews, but before we get over to Hebrews, I feel like there's probably... Um, definitely some catching up to do from the weekend um, because it is 
um, it's escalating right now um, quickly. Even McConnell come out yesterday and uh, he. I don't know how do you even word it. What he what he did, Jason? Did, I mean, did you read up on what he? No, I haven't. I haven't seen he that. gave a speech, and I mean, he basically called out Russia, China, and Iran, mm-hmm. and Israel, saying if Hezbollah, if they attack, they're going to cut the head off the snake. Which you know, now we're talking about Iran. We're talking about all this. Um, North Korea is provoking. North Korea is threatening to get involved. Um, I think it was. Let's see here, President. Um, the Biden administration says if this if the red line is crossed, U.S. won't hesitate to get involved. And China is threatening, Russia's threatening, Iran's threatening, Hezbollah threatening, North Korea's threatening, and America is threatening on threatening on the other end. Um, now I will say that I've not completely hated how we've responded to every step. I don't think we've responded perfectly in all things in this by no means. Um, the uh, France has responded pretty strongly in some areas. I think that'll be an ally that that probably will stick with us in Israel if we do get involved. But it will be a very um, escalated, huge ordeal if all this stuff starts to unravel like it looks like it's unraveling. And um, Israel, I mean, the United States has been pulling out um, some people from certain countries, some diplomats and some administrative people from different areas and embassies. And so it does look like there's a high escalation. And um, we have shot down many of um, missiles and attacks from Syria lately. And we've interjected and um, been a part of quite a bit of stuff over the weekend. It was a pretty, pretty busy weekend on the front with Israel and Hamas. And so we just need to continue to be in prayer. Remember, though, when you hear rumors and wars, and um, it's not the end. And do not be afraid, um, because the end comes whenever the gospel of the kingdom has been preached throughout all the world, according to Jesus in Matthew 24. And so do not be in fear. Do not live in trepidation. Do not live, you know, in, in, you know, like, oh, I don't know what to do. Paralyzed by anxiety. Um, Live at peace, because our king is a... Uh, a ruling king. He is a king that all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Christ and of his government and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. And we can go to to, to rest upon that. And so um, I know there's some other things to cover. I'm just trying to do a, a 30,000 square foot overview of what's going on. Um, am I missing anything over there that anybody's heard or read in that you probably feel like it's any news over the weekend? So I am totally ignorant in the matter. Well, it's it's really escalated. Um, it's it's escalating to the world square, the world scale that we've been predicting for since pretty much early October when this this started. Mm-hmm. Um, and this weekend has has been a very eventful weekend into the world powers that's really starting to to get involved. It's especially um, China and um, now I was really surprised. I will say this, and then we'll try to get to Hebrews in a minute. I was surprised how quickly and how willingly it looks like North Korea is to, like, insert themselves. And I'm not saying they're joining up tomorrow or anything, but the fact they're even talking and having speeches and um, which, you know, they hate America. So it's 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 not a surprise anytime they can try to threaten to push the button or anything like that. They're going to take it. But it's just um, that they're kind of surprising this this. game that I didn't expect this soon. I'll be honest with you. But it looks like they're 
they're trash talking quite a bit and um there was supposedly some of the i can't remember maybe somebody can help me with this it was either the weaponry that iran was using or hamas was using seemed to be some north korean weaponry but i can't remember exactly i read that report um but i can't remember all that to to be um frank because i'm working off my head on all this so that's kind of my my latest update where i'm at and if nobody else has anything um miss gretchen you had a trip this weekend how did it go very well did you win homecoming no <laughs> and uh miss uh, gretchen told me she was running for homecoming <laughs> uh, i sure had uh, some uh, good candidates in there though but yeah. uh, uh no my granddaughter's uh uh evelyn was in was she was the freshman there was two freshmen chosen to just sponsor their class and you know two from freshmen sophomore juniors but then there were three uh, seniors picked and um, mia was one of them but uh she didn't make the homecoming queen though her her good friend did they all three girls were very eligible and it was a it was a hard pick but they and they were all very happy for one another so mm -hmm. <laughs> it was good <coughs> then i got to enjoy the on Sunday, they had uh, uh, the uh, uh, an annual event at one of the farms of one of the members of the church, and uh, they they had a big cookout and dinner there, so that was real good. I think the fifth that Sunday mm -hmm. of November is uh, First Church Nazarene's 125th anniversary, so that was uh, interesting to hear about. So. Yeah. The church has been there 125 years. <laughs> I doubt I'll be here for our 125 years. Um, let's see. We're at 43. So we're at 43 right now. So I would be quite old. Um, what about you, Jay? You think you'll make it? I'll try. We might, None of us may make it. We we'll, yeah. might get raptured out before that. Uh, and so, but no, it's, that's, that's amazing. 125 year mm -hmm. anniversary. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, we're in Hebrews chapter three, uh, starting in verse one. We finally finished Hebrews chapter two. Seemed like we was in Hebrews chapter two for a long time, mm -hmm. but it's all right. It says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews here is saying, holy brethren. So he is um, he is making a distinctive to the brethren, and he's giving them a um, adjective which you know would explain the the noun, which is the brethren. So they're holy, and he's calling them a separate separated group. A um, there's something marking them that's different. And I love how the writer of Hebrews here is therefore holy brethren. He doesn't just say brethren. He's saying there's something different. There's something distinctive about you. And it was, there was, I, I feel like in this statement, it there's a lot to, you could unpack. And I don't want to just unpack it for the sake of unpacking. But it's, you, you sense that there was a difference. Like there was a distinctive difference. And he said, you, therefore, holy brethren. Um, and, and I think that as believers, anytime we see this, there should be a reminder that there should be a distinction between us and unbelievers that, you know, that, um, as brethren, we're not just brethren, we're holy brethren. We're separated. Mm -hmm. We're made apart. We're set apart. We're a brethren who 
put ourselves as a living sacrifice and letting the knife come from us and cut on us a little bit. And we should always be striving and thriving to be more like holy brethren and edify and build each other up. Uh, Jacob said yesterday that he didn't mind the, the push, but he said, I frogged him when I punched him. I don't think I did. <laughs> but see, all I was trying to do is help him be a more holy brethren. And so we were we were using the second second um, Corinthians chapter 10 when he's saying, pull down the strong codes and tear down every lofty opinion and, and every argument. And we was talking about how as brothers, we can help each other do that and he help each other be accountable and sharpen each other and let iron sharpen iron. And as holy brethren, we're set apart people who is coming together as one body and living that life together. And he says, we're partakers of the heavenly calling. And so does the King James say that? Anybody that got that? This is the, I'm reading from the new King James. So it's, I don't. Yeah. Partakers mm -hmm. of the heavenly calling. Yeah. And holy brethren. Mm -hmm. um, and then let me see here. I wanted to go to the ESV and see how that reads as well. Um, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Yep. <clears throat> so all the terminology is the same. And that heaven, that heavenly calling would be a, um, a higher calling, but I think it's a calling of salvation to be like Christ. Um, would you all, would you all see it a different calling? It's okay if you do, cause I could be wrong, but, uh, I, I can't really read very well i left my glasses in the car <laughs> oh this is gonna be a long one for jason i'll go uh, get them during the break <laughs> too late then yeah. you won't be. Uh, what is what is john i have a note here it's, it's a whole paragraph about uh partakers of the heavenly calling but i can't see it very well. yeah <laughs> i'm curious the notes are much smaller than the the print of the do Bible. you need some magnifying glass can no you read it you can i don't know <laughs> it's it may or may not pertain to what pastor Aaron's talking about but uh, uh, but I'll get my glasses during the break. It says, All holy brethren are partakers, partners, and fellow, fellows in the heavenly calling. Israel had an earthly calling, and those who are alive when the Messiah comes will enter <coughs> an earthly program of replenishing the earth forever. Those of both Jews and Gentiles who are saved and who, are, who will partake of the resurrection will be kings and priests to reign over the earth and all other cre uh, creations forever. They will help God administer the affairs of the universe in all eternity. Their calling is heavenly in that they will not be limited to an earthly program as all men would have been if me, if man had not sinned. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah, I'll have to unpack that a little yeah. bit. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you know, t tell me, Yeah. was... Uh, Phineas, is that how you say? Phineas. Phineas. I always call him Phineas. There's a, there's a cartoon with Phineas <laughs> yeah. on it. Um, wasn't he a replacement? I don't think he was dispensational. I don't know. I have to. I, I can't remember that. with um, Brother Jet Drake Dake Dake right? <laughs> Dake. Yeah. I don't think it's Drake. I think he's a singer Jake, or something. Drake. <laughs> uh, and so um, yeah, I can't remember if he was a replacement or thing. But I do like how he elevates the calling of the believer. Yeah. And I, I do like that. Um, but I do think, like, it's all around what salvation is and the calling of salvation and the calling to be conformed, like, into the image of the Son and the calling to be transformed in the image, the, the calling to repent and have your mind changed. Like, to me, this is all incorporated under the heavenly calling. Um, John Wesley, have anything to say about that? 
Short and sweet. Just um, the heavenly calling. It's God calls from heaven and to heaven mm-hmm. by the gospel. Yeah. All right. Hannah, you got anything on the heavenly calling? No. Are you called with a heavenly call? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think it seems like it's not, it's more, okay, I don't want to use that word, more like a corporate or the the whole calling rather than individual. Well, it, it seems like there is a one heavenly calling that we all become partakers with. Mm-hmm. So this is where I think we cannot make this um, inclusive to all of the, the, the callings we may walk in as individual ministers mm-hmm. um, in the sense of like Paul's call was to be apostolic. Um, John's call, he was apostolic, but he's also very prophetic. In the book of Corinthians, we see where people's called to do certain gifts. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that can be that because yeah, it seems like either. in this one is a specific heavenly calling that we are partakers of. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think this is a ministerial calling. I think this is a positional calling. Yeah. And that positional calling would be the position in Christ Jesus yeah. and the salvation of the gospel to get us there and to walk in his ways. In um, Romans 8, when it says the spirit is there to conform us into the image of the son. Um, and then he tells us, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Why do you think, like, do you think the writer of Hebrews was here trying to tell the Hebrews, you know, to consider, like, maybe they're not considering him? Or yeah, do you I think th- so, because if you look at the next verse, which is a continuation of that uh, sentence, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is that a, that's not a... You mean read it for you? I can read the the verse. <laughs> oh, it's a semicolon. It's a semi. Okay, I yeah, I have a little trouble with the smaller stuff. My, mine's only a comma. Yeah. If that makes you feel better. It says, who was who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful. Yeah. In all his house, so he's making that comparison to the to the Jews, who may not be believers or may not accept that Jesus was mm-hmm. the Messiah. You know, he's making that comparison, uh, something they can relate to. Well, is here, like, is he saying who was faithful to him, who appointed him? So would it be Jesus is faithful to the Father right. who appointed him as Moses was faithful in all of his house? Yeah. And is and to me, that would be saying that Jesus was faithful to the Father because he was in the Father's house. And as Moses was faithful to his house, mm-hmm. Jesus was faithful to his house and all the Father had for him. I think so. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the writer of Hebrews is reminding us of the faithfulness of the Son, the faithfulness of Jesus in this whole good news story. Um, Because, honestly, at the end of the day, the Son was asked tremendously of um, to become our propitiation, to become the Lamb of God that laid down his life so the sin of the world can be put on his back and he can take it to the cross. Um, The Son was asked to do extraordinary things, hard things, difficult things, weighty things, stressful things, yet he did it and he was faithful the whole time. He never sinned in word, thought, or deed. He never failed. He never disobeyed his father's command or father's uh, mission or father's the father's direction. He did everything absolutely perfect, and he was faithful to his father who appointed him into that position just as Moses was faithful in all of his house. And I think this is a reminder just how faithful Jesus was. And if we're going to be conformed to the image of the Son, then we have to learn to be just as faithful. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we talked with the middle school um, chapel Friday morning yeah. about faithfulness. And we talked about faithfulness. And we talked about how faithfulness produces trust. And um, I always try to bring it down to the level they can understand. And so, you know, kids, teenagers, they they want to do more all the time, right? Like, if you've ever been around teenagers and kids, why don't anybody trust me? Yeah. You know, it's like... I just don't understand. They just don't trust me. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I tell them this, well, have you proved a level of faithfulness that they can trust you with more? And so if you I know this is theirs. This is elementary and this is there, but you know, I I think we're probably all guilty of this. Uh at least I am. Heather would say amen if she was in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, a kid coming up and say, I'll clean my room. An hour later they come back and the room's not clean. Or I'll get that in a minute and then a minute and 50 minutes later, it's still not got up or picked up. And what that does is we're actually not being faithful to what we say. And because there's no faithfulness, there's no trust. And and I believe the Lord is asking, and Pastor Wayne, you know, he said that when Lance said, can the Lord trust you with his glory? Then I think there's a real statement to there saying, have we lived a life of faithfulness to the Father that he can trust us with the outpouring of his spirit? But also, have we lived a life of faithfulness with each other that others can trust us and we can trust them? And so I think as we look upon the faithfulness of the Son in Hebrews and we look upon the faithfulness of him, of Jesus, to the one who appointed him the Father, then we can say Jesus has proven his faithfulness and we can trust him. And if we're going to be conforming the image of who he is, then we need to prove our faithfulness so that others and the Father can trust us. Um, and I think that's a very good thing to actually, you know, end this little Hebrews with. Cause we're not going to be more verses and we're out of time. But I do think it is very vital to understand that um, to be conformed to the image of the Son is to be conformed into all aspects of the image of the Son. And so if he was faithful, we need to learn faithfulness. If he was kind, we need to learn kindness. If he was righteous, then we need to learn righteousness. And this is what the gospel, this is why the word is so instrumental is that it's not just sitting there giving us a list of rules to do and don't. It's actually showing us who Jesus is. And as we see who Jesus is, then we can be more like him today. And that's one of the most vital, important um, reasons to get into the Word is because the Word shows us Jesus. On every page of the Bible, Jesus is there. Every single aspect of the Word is teaching us something about Jesus. And I've heard someone say that, you know, in Hebrews, it just showing you that Christ is better. Mm-hmm. And, you know... One of the commentaries here was saying that, you know, the Jews always looked at Moses a little bit, a little too, too highly than they, they should. But so, and then, and right here, the, uh, whoever wrote Hebrews was, <laughs> was saying, you know, that, uh, you know, showing the comparison, but, you know, Christ was better, you know, even, and then their Moses that they yeah. spoke of so highly. So, yeah, very good. I like that. All right. Anybody else got anything before we read our first trivia question? And get rolling? Nope. Good? Sounds good. And I think we should at least say verse uh, 3 to show that, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll, we'll hit that. Mm-hmm. We'll hit yeah. that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor Josh, if you're listening, be prepared because <laughs> you're going you're gonna to talk all about that. Um, yeah, I was hoping we can get to verse 4 because that's a line from a Rich Mullins song. Oh, my God. <laughs> He memorized every scripture that Rich Mullins ever talked about. <laughs> uh, just happened to see it. 
Monday. Hey, whatever works. Yeah. <laughs> Monday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. What father and son were, according to David, swifter than eagles? What father and son, according to David, was swifter than eagles? We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back on this October 23rd, 2023. Don't have a trivia answer yet, but let me read that again. What father-son were, according to David, swifter than eagles? And so, good question. You can call in 270-257-2689. If you have a Bible question or interaction throughout the morning, you can text me at 270-230-6337. Don't forget Potter's Hope Ministries. Brother Lance will be there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday right there on Commerce Drive in Litchfield, Kentucky, um, starting at 6.33 p.m. nightly. And then, of course, our chili cook-off this Saturday night, everything beginning at 5 o'clock with eating. The doors will open at 4.30. You can come in there, start playing games, looking at the silent auction items. And then the auction begins at 6. Um, so far, we've got a lot of great items, and I think we still have – um, I, I'm not for sure all we have because there's a lot of them I haven't seen yet. So I can't tell you. I got I got a slew of stuff in my office, mm-hmm. but it's I know it's nowhere near what we've already collected. Miss um, <clears throat> Gretchen and Miss Gretchen, Miss Gretchen and Miss Greta went out there and just got a like whole card load the other day. Miss Greta had to unload and mm-hmm. um, and so Miss Katie's she, she went a second time and then I've got to pick up some stuff this week. So. Yeah. <laughs> And then I, I reckon Miss Katie's got a load of stuff too, and um, Joey and Megan's got a bunch of stuff, and so we're um, we're going to try to accumulate all that together this week, so we can see exactly what we got. But it looks like a really great night, and again, um, just invite you out for a great night of fellowship and support of the Rough River Youth Ranch. So I, the Duncan booth, who's who's doing that? Uh, well, several of us. Jason's going to be sitting in it. I'm going to get in it. <laughs> Justin, tell me. Justin Hatfield's in it. Um, is it like me? Did you get asked, or did you just get? I think I got volunteered. It was kind of like the whole singing thing. I just sort of <laughs> fell into it, huh? Yeah. Well, that's the whole point of falling into it. So um, <clears throat> and I don't recall ever agreeing to it, but apparently I did. Box so, ready. We'll there. see. How may I help you? I don't even know how long we have to stay in that thing. And uh, you got I'm not it. Sure, what the may proper attire is either. But <laughs> Jason, I guess oh, we'll just show up and see what happens. But. I think you uh, should be prepared. To when you do get out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you may want to change, uh, bring a change of clothes. Will. Um, will. At least we're not doing it out. We're we're making it to where we can do it inside without getting anything wet. Okay, but except we, for the people, involved. but yeah, and except <laughs> for the people involved. But we haven't seen the actual thing yet either, so it could even be too big. So if we have to do this outside, I don't know what we're gonna oh. do. Yeah, I think it is supposed to be warmer, though. Yeah, um, that is true. I think it's supposed to be mid high seventies all week, uh-huh. and um, and so we're we're excited for that. But I, I, Saturday was one of the prettiest days I think I've ever been a part of. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely gorgeous weather. Um, I could get used to that year round. Yeah, just I, just year round. Just give me that year round. Find me a place with seventy five, seventy eight, and just keep <laughs> me there, sunny and shiny and nice. But, well, okay, I, I better take that back because I really do like a thunderstorm every once in a while. Like at night, especially when you're sleeping and you just get that nice rain and some thunder and lightning. 
Um, I could do. I like that every once in a while. So um, <clears throat> now, if there's destroying stuff, I don't want that. But just a gentle thunderstorm. Just a nice, <laughs> relaxing, calming thunderstorm. All right. Well, we got some uh, Bible. Do we have a trivia winner. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Thank you. I was just getting moving it. Uh, Brother Jason Lee got that right, and it okay. was Saul and Jonathan. And so I wasn't sure the, the answer. So I don't the hint was, "Who did David say, Father, Son?" <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was the hint. Um, it would have led you into it, but Saul and Jonathan definitely was that. And so, um, great job, Brother Jason. And um, let's move into it. You ready? You ready for the first question? I'm just let's gonna. Go. I'm I'm asking the questions today, and and then um that's all I'm doing. All right. You're not answering. Nope. It's all up to you. You got your glasses, so yeah, you you are go you're good to go now. <laughs> Is it okay to pray for God to avenge our adversaries, like in the parable of Luke eighteen three? So let's move over to Luke eighteen, and we'll be able to give some more context of that verse. So, is it okay to pray for revenge? Is the word used right? Revenge. Avenge. I think it's a, avenge. Well, if we're praying for to for God to avenge our adversaries, then it's basically praying for get him, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, is there a difference between revenge and avenge? <laughs> yeah, surely there would be. What's the difference? Well, I'll look up the in a linear word. It means to vindicate, retaliate, punish. And which one's this? Revenge or avenge? Avenge. Avenge. Is what I think that's what it says. Mm-hmm. Avenge. Yeah. So, all right. So, avenge is to punish. Um, yeah. Well, I have a. I don't. I won't pronounce the Greek word. Oh, come on, Jason. It says it's uh, a Monday. Do me justice. Mm-hmm. Um. I did. I just looked up the definition of revenge, and it's the action of inflicting hurt or harm on someone for an injury or wrong suffered at their hands. Yeah. So, I don't think there's a lot of justice involved in, in revenge. You're just wanting to punish or to get them back. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. But you know, so I looked up avenge, mm-hmm. and it says the same definition, inflict harm okay. in return. It's pretty much the same definition, mm-hmm. but avenge says a verb, and then revenge says a noun. Okay. So I guess avenging is the action of actually getting Reven- getting revenge. <laughs> Am I right on this one, Jason? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> They're different, but the same kind of. <clears throat> They're different, but the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the Lord, okay, so let me let me just word it like this: If the 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 parable there is a judge, it's an unwicked. I mean, it's an unrighteous judge yeah. who. It's a it's an unwicked it's a wicked unrighteous judge who did not rule correctly from what I understand correct and this widow is getting ruled against and now this the father the, it would be the parable basically the mm-hmm. father the righteous judge is standing up to vindicate or to avenge her well in essence revenge in this place that's what's happening yeah. because there is revenge taking place because well the wicked guy or the wicked judge did her wrong. So there is revenge, and the Lord is doing the revenging. And he's avenging him to complete the revenge. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's how I see it. But I think the question is, though, 
should we pray for that? I think or the, could we or is it? I don't even. Well, I think I before you can. <laughs> I think before you can get to that question, though, you have to unpack whether avenging or revenging is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think if the Lord is doing it, and I think that I think a lot of this comes back to proper heart and motivation. Yeah. If we take avenging upon ourselves or revenging, I think we are in the wrong. So what is vengeance then? Vengeance, because the Bible says, "Vengeance is mine," saith the Lord. I would say does that fall in the same category. I would say it does. Revenging. My personal opinion, yes. Okay. I think that I think they're all the same thing, and I think the Lord will get revenge and avenge His people. Um, but as for the question of how we need to pray, do you think we always need to pray? Can, uh, mercy? Seems a little dangerous. Do you well, think we always need to pray mercy for people and then just let God I deal think, with it? Actually, no. I think that we pray justice. And and that's what. Here's here's the commentary. It says um, the better tra- um, the original or the bet had better be translated. Uh, do not do me justice against. Or vindicate me from my adversary. If the woman had come to get revenge, as our common translation uh, intimate, intimates, intimates, yeah. yeah. I think our blessed Lord would never have permitted her to have the honor of a place in the sacred records. She desired to have justice, and that only. Yeah. And by her importunity, she got that which the unrighteous judge had no inclination to give, but merely for his own uh, yeah. own ease. So he's saying what I was saying. He's Good. not revenge. Mm-hmm. She was wanting justice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes justice is the vengeance. Yeah. And, and I think, but I don't think we pray but for the revenge. But it's not ours. It's God's. I think what we pray is justice. And sometimes he would see fit that his justice is standing up. And he revenged Israel at times. We, he, did, he did stand up for his people. He did, um, you know, I think that ours... Well, let me say it like this: There's a good story in the in the parables where you know the the disciples say, "Do we get to call down fire now?" And yeah. Jesus says, "You don't know what spirit you are of." And so I think that if your motivation is for somebody to be punished just because they did you wrong, I don't think you have the right motivation. But I think if you pray, "Let justice be done," then that puts it in the hands of the Father at that point. And if somebody has done you wrong, let the Father deal with that. But yeah. I think for us to take it in there, and if we ever go with the ideology that revenge him, revenge, revenge, then really God's a watchdog, and we're just telling him to seek. We're like seeking the the Father on people, and I don't think that's right. What we do is pray for justice because we may need to understand some things, and you can never have mercy if you first don't have judgment, and because mercy is not getting what you deserve. So for mercy to take place, judgment first has to. And justice first have to, has to. Yeah. So Rich he Bowen said, "Let mercy lead." That was the name of his song. Yeah. <clears throat> but you can't have mercy if you don't have justice and judgment. <laughs> and these are the things I think we leave out of the modern day Christianity is we don't want to, we don't want to be held accountable for anything, and so we preach grace with such a sloppiness that we preach as it enables us to do anything, and that mercy and grace is the only thing that father, the Father distributes. But that's not correct. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Ask him other people. Ask the sons of Sceva. Like over and over in the New Testament, we see even after grace has been instituted and the new covenant has been established, that judgment and righteousness and justice are still the Father's. 
just as much as grace and mercy is too. And so I think this is where we have to walk in that balance. But I think if you go around seeking the Father on people as a as a dog, a watchdog, get them, get them, get them, then your heart's just as wicked as the person you're trying to get. But if we pray for justice, then, you know, at the end of the day, it's the Father that will deliver that. And so I have a lot of... Um, <clears throat> Like, I have a lot of differences with politicians and their policies, but I don't go around asking the Father to, to get them. I go around asking the Father to unseat righteous people. I mean, un, unseat unrighteous people. Uh, it's Monday. It's Monday. Forgive me. I pray that justice will be done. I pray that justice for the millions of babies that have been slaughtered and the wounds will be done. Am I praying for revenge? No, I'm just praying for justice. And just like there will be justice for every ounce of blood of martyrs that were spilt. Like justice is something that's going to be the fathers. And I think that we have permission to pray for justice, but I don't think we have permission scripturally to pray for vengeance and revenge, even though I do think they're the same thing, Jason. All right. Um, I agree. I don't, I don't agree that they're the same thing, but I agree with your the rest of your statement. Well, now we <laughs> should be able to use it in the right way, yeah. grammatically. Avenge would be the action revenge <laughs> is the noun the thing okay i do agree with that so remember that in your sermons aaron if, <laughs> if you're saying what god is doing you're saying he's avenging yeah. not revenging yep um let me get caught up on a couple of things we're stirred um all right well it does say in verse seven that and shall not god avenge his own elect yep Mm-hmm. But that's so for what his. Is, what does the word "elect" mean there, Pastor? <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll add that to the list. Cry day and night. We'll, we'll, we'll add that to the list. He says in verse eight, "I tell you that he will avenge them speedily." Yeah. Um, one listener said they they quoted the same scripture. He did vengeance in mind, said the Lord. We can ask for justice and stay it on God's way and let Him do it. That's kind of how I see it. Like whatever He sees fit. Our prayer is justice, and if he needs to get revenge by avenging his elect, then that's up to God. Uh, (laughs) All right, um, say that like it was a Friday. All right, Um, and uh, let's see. I thought of this other word too. That well, I was kind of looking into the different like like Yom Kippur and different Jewish like. not just the holidays, but like what they actually mean, like the principles behind them. And restitution, that word, mm-hmm. is important for that too. And it kind of goes along with with what we're talking about. Restoring something lost or stolen to its proper owner. Mm-hmm. So the Lord never lets something just be unjust. Like he always brings balance and restoration to everything. Yeah. What, what do you think about this in comparison with that verse when... Uh, in Second Timothy four fourteen, when uh, Paul prayed, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Yeah. Well, I mean, that I used to be one of my favorite verses. I think the. <laughs> Can well, I pray I, now? Can I pray it now? <laughs> I think I think Paul though is just setting him in the Lord's hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul never instructed the Lord how to right. reward right. him mm-hmm. or how to how to. What's the consequences of his actions? He just says the Lord will deal with this. Yeah. Um, Philip Trent says, rest assured, sea time and harvest will continue until the end. We don't need to seek revenge. We need to love our enemies and pray for those who do us wrong. That's true. Uh, we do I need to. the Lord take care of it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we do pray for our enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, I think we, 
I do think, though, like even with the law of reciprocity, which is the seed time and harvest, mm-hmm. you know, what we reap is what we sow. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And I agree that we pray for our enemies. I don't think we ever talk about how to pray for our enemies, though. You know, we talk about that verse a lot, like pray for our enemies mm-hmm. and love our enemies. And I think those are definitely, without a hesitation, I'm going to be very blunt, things that believers do. But if we're going to learn how to pray for our enemies, we need to learn how Jesus prayed for his enemies. And that's our model. Mm-hmm. And even when there was enemies, you know, Jesus loved them enough to tell them the truth. Jesus loved them enough to make a stand. Jesus loved them enough to stick to his conviction. Mm-hmm. Jesus Jesus didn't go around condemning people. He came in the world not to condemn, but to save the world. But in that, I think sometimes we take that and give ourselves permission not to deal with anything. Yeah. And we're just going to ignore it and be passive. And meekness is not passivity. Meekness is realizing I can't do this within myself. And I need the Holy Spirit to equip me, to empower me for the glory of Christ and magnify and for the, the light of the world to shine through me. And so sometimes the most loving thing you could ever do is sit down and have a conversation with somebody and just say, I know we're not on good terms. I offended you. I'm sorry. But, I mean, sometimes hard conversations didn't happen. And Jesus had hard conversations, yet he's oh, loving the in the middle of it. Yeah. And so, but, so I, think, I think that would be a really good study. And I haven't done the study, so I can't tell you I have. But I think that would be a really interesting study to, like, look how Jesus interacted and prayed for his enemies. And his enemies would have been the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. Um, that's who really his enemy was, the system the religious system of the day and to watch how he prays for them if, or how he interacts with them. That would be our greatest example of enemies and how to deal with them. But again, I've been very clear that I don't think we pray for the revenge because then he's our watchdog that we just sick on to people. And I don't think that's right. We pray for justice and then we surrendered into the father's hand and let him deal with it from that. That, yeah. that, that would be my take how to answer that question, but it is a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a, question that came in as a from miss gail i'll read the question we probably won't be able to answer it till after the break did saul have legal right to give david's wife away when he went into hiding and was it right for david to take her back from her husband at that time i may be able to answer this i don't know does anybody else want to answer this before i answer it uh was this saul's daughter um i think it would have been michaela yeah uh, michael however you want to say it so would Saul have legal right to give David's wife away? The culture back then was different. And the king may have well had permission, especially if it was his daughter. And then even for David to take her back from her husband at that time, that was still culturally right for Israel. The Israelites believed in a time that even if you divorced your wife, because Israel had, under the new covenant, there's very select reasons for divorce. Under the Old Covenant, there was actually a wider range for Israel. Now, not under the actual actual law. I'm talking about Israel and their day-to-day activity. There was quite a few reasons. Actually, they made such an expansive reason at one time, you could basically say that if there was a if there was a level of unrighteousness or, or anything the woman did wrong, the husband had a right to divorce her. Now, if the woman divorced her according to the Jewish culture and then he, he divorced her, and then he wanted her back even after she married to another guy because she he was the first husband. He had legal right, according to their culture, to take the wife from her now husband and take him take her back to himself. 
So David would have the legal right to do this according to the way they operated on a day-to-day basis. Now, is that under the Ten Commandments or under the, you know, the law that was instituted to Moses? I highly doubt it. But under the culture of the Jewish nation, it was very much legalities, and it was very much commonplace. So if I was married to somebody and I divorced her because of a situation, she got married again, I had legal right by the Jewish culture to take her back from her new husband, whether she wanted to or he wanted to at all. And if Mikhail, Mikhail was, was the one that Saul took and gave away, yeah. then he would have had legal rights too as a father to do that because David went away and David would have sacrificed it. So it's definitely different. It's tricky for the cultural issues. But um, <clears throat> I think, honestly, I, I feel like both of those answers – now, ethically, law, grace, biblically, I would have a different answer. But right. but for what they were at in the Jewish culture of the day, then it, both of them would have um, been permissible in the Jewish culture. Now, is she the one that was making fun of him? <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. At the... Um, Bringing the art? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else got anything to add to that? No. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a break here, read our first, second trivia question. Uh, Monday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Survey, and then we'll get back into some more Bible Q&A. Still some great questions. Um, we're not going to get to the elect question today, Jason. I'll do, we'll do that next Monday. No, I was just joking. Um, <laughs> and then we have a great guest this morning, Brother Walid Zaru. Right, Miss Gretchen? Sounds good to me. Okay. And I'm um, really excited to talk to him and um, all that God's doing in and through his life and what seems to be his passion for evangelism. And um, and he wrote a book, Why Not You? An Invitation to a Spirit-Led Life, Reaching Everyone Everywhere Every Day. So we're excited to chat with Brother Walid Zaru at 8.30 this morning. Um, a friend of Miss Renee Alderman, and so we appreciate Miss Renee Alderman and honor her tremendously too. And so excited for that at eight thirty. So still a great morning ahead. Don't go anywhere if you don't have to. Monday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. What bird, according to Jesus, is cared for by God's people? I mean by God, even though it had no barns or storehouse. What bird, according to Jesus, is cared for by God, even though it had no Barnes storehouse? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty, we are back here after the break. Um I'm going to ask the next question, and then we're going to let you all start this answer because i got to answer a phone call real fast. So um, let me see here. Do we get a trivia winner? Yes, I'll get back with that here in a second. got somebody on hold i got to talk to real fast. Um, Explain Romans 14, 16. So if you all want to start working on that, I'll come back in in just a minute. We will. Okay, let's get flipped over there. Romans 14, 14, 16. I hope it's not about it. Election. <laughs> Fourteen sixteen is let not then your good be evil spoken of. Mm-hmm. Explain Romans fourteen sixteen. All right. Go for it, Jay. <laughs> let not then your good be evil spoken of. Oh wow! Is it, is it talking about like 
doing good deeds maybe for um well, for show maybe or let's continue on with the or, um, uh, well the next verse says for the kingdom of god is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost so oh we're talking about eating what they should eat mm-hmm. it's talking about what's unclean mm-hmm. okay but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat now walkest thou not charitably destroy not him with thy meat for whom christ died let not then your good be evil spoken of. So I I guess it's saying like even if you're grieved with that meat. All right. Well To me it kind of seems like they're talking about the whole stumbling block. Yeah, not to thing. be a stumbling block for other people. Yeah. Uh I would I would say that given the context here, we can be right many times. But the way we approach that, you know, like maybe defending the scriptures or something like that, mm-hmm. we can be right, but also offend people with the... Or hurt people in yeah, the process. with the veracity that we proclaim our rightness. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you you know, mean like, uh, say like, um, you follow in maybe the... Uh, the the Jewish laws, you know, and what you can eat or drink, what, right, whatever that, like that. Yeah. You know, and you're doing doing it right, doing it according to what the scripture says. What, and then, uh, but then, if and maybe somebody saw, disagrees so, with you, and yeah, you just or somebody else is eating a pork sandwich, <laughs> you know, and you're brisket. and you can say <laughs> they have beef brisket too. Well, I do think it's so important to, with the context though, to say this. This is things that ceremonially are religious things. Mm-hmm. I don't think this attains pertains to things like the works of the flesh in Galatians. Yeah, like I think there's a differences here because he's dealing with things like the Lord. I, like if you back up to fourteen, I know and convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. I don't think we can take that and say nothing is unclean of itself per se. I think we have to recontextually what he's talking about. Because witchcraft is unclean within itself. Um, lust yeah. is unclean within itself, right? I mean, would we agree with that? Or mm-hmm. I mean, and so I think here he's saying, yet if your brother is greed because of your food, you are no longer walked in love. So he's saying, if, if you are offending your brother by what you eat, and you're doing it on, like, you know, you have no problem with, you're not walking in love. But then he also says, but do not destroy with your food the one whom Christ died. So... Like, you can't, like, just say you do feel like you have a little liberty to what you eat. Yeah. That can't be your excuse to offend the ones who don't feel released. So mm-hmm. if you believe it's wrong to eat pork, and every time I'm around you, I'm eating a pork sandwich. Yes. That would... Do not be condemning yeah. to the one eating the pork sandwich. <laughs> yeah. But also, as the one eating the pork sandwich, don't condemn the ones who are not. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a reciprocal mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But I think these are things that are subjective because I think there's some things that we that have to be universally wrong. Like like murder is never uncle- never clean. Right. Yeah. Like murder's unclean. Now, you know, if you want to have an ethical debate on war and stuff like that, that may be a different story. But murder within itself that you are murdering somebody out of hate, bitterness or something like that, that's never clean. I think these are talking about things that are ceremonial issues with religion 
and systems. But the question is, verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Yeah. Then I think he would say here then, you know, let not your freedom to eat pork be spoken of evil then as something that you are doing self-righteously or hypocritical or pharisaical. And there could be other religious things that this principle could be used for, though. It's probably bacon. Um, <laughs> I have decided that I don't think pork sits well with me anyway. <laughs> I'll pray for you. Um, but would you say that, though? Like, if you're trying oftentimes to. Oftentimes have issues after eating pork. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to use this verse to, like, apply to your everyday life, to our life today, mm-hmm. we can't just apply this to anything. We have to apply it to what is relevant in this context when it's talking about the ceremonial ceremonial religious things. So in my mind, I'm thinking of like how we talk about open-handed issues versus closed-handed issues with this. Because, I mean, this seems to be pretty open-handed if it's saying if one wants to eat it, if one doesn't, then don't condemn each other. To me, that seems pretty Mm open-handed. But if we're trying to use this verse of let not then your good be evil spoken of for something that is clearly stated in the word not to do for anybody, then I don't think we can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I know this sounds different, but I really do think here Paul's talking about food. I mean, if you go to, I think 14 and to 15. Else. Yeah. Because by 15, by what you eat, do not destroy the one who Christ died. And he goes back up to 14, I am persuaded the Lord said nothing is unclean of itself for because it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. I think he's talking about food. I've always thought that here. Well, not always, but, you know, I can't, I don't want to exaggerate, but I really do feel like particularly because food was the issue a lot. You got to remember, food was the thing that um, Peter got in trouble for eating with the Gentiles, Right. And then, but yet the Lord was trying to open the Peter's eyes to saying, I've expanded the, the horizon of clean and unclean. Now, you could, you could go into representation of the Samar- Samar- um, ceremonial laws, but I believe contextually here, especially because of 15, what you eat, do not destroy. So is he saying in verse 16, don't get so worked up over these things that you offend people by you know, trying to proclaim that you're right or that they're wrong or, you know, is that what he's talking about there? Let me read uh, what uh, <coughs> someone said here. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're just kind of catching the tail end of our conversation here. Is that I think a lot of the text there is also referring to the tradition that they had of washing their hands more so than what was going on. In, what was yeah. going on. Uh, Philip Trent said, the subject is food. But in this day, people get offended over the least thing. Jesus said, blessed is the one who's not offended in me. He might offend people today that try to accept anything and use the no condemnation scripture. Um, yeah. So he agrees with you, too. It's all about food. I think well, this is I think this is about food. Well, <laughs> this you, particular passage. you say, so don't let your... It does seem that it's all about food. <laughs> verse 17, though, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I think what Paul is dealing with here is don't let the kingdom of God be solely about what you're eating or drinking. Don't let it be something about the external manifestation of what you eat and drink. Let it be about the peace and the joy and the righteousness and the Holy Ghost. 
And I think the way 16 interprets, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of evil. Don't let your freedom in Christ, that Christ has set you free, become the thing that actually people speak evil of. Mm -hmm. So don't become haughty and arrogant and don't rub it in. And honestly, like if I am having dinner with a person who, who holds to their heart, like pork is bad. I'm not going to rub it. Traditional Jewish customs. I'm not going to. I'm not going to have pork chops that night if I invite them over to dinner. Yeah. And I'm not going to smear it in their face. That pimento cheese chicken sandwich. Yes. Um, (laughs) That'd be safe and it's good. We'll have lamb chop. That's what we ate at the Passover, right? Lamb lamb chops. I think so. Is that what you eat at the Passover? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, but you know, I think that's it. Because sometimes three different people that text me and said they agree with me that they have issues after they eat pork too. This is what we get out of this conversation, the issues with pork. We won't go into those issues, what those issues are, but, but anyway. Oh, um, not spiritual issues. Miss um, Gail, I, I, didn't see this, I didn't see this text until a minute ago, but I feel like I should read it in honor of you, Jason. She did say, really enjoyed the sermon yesterday. Loved the demonstrations. I love getting to push and hit Jacob. Um but she said, also hope Jason never gets fired from announcements. He always gives smiles and chuckles. <laughs> Love you all. Um, so, but again. I was told that. <laughs> I, I deliver the announcements like someone who's trying to get fired from giving the announcements. I can tell you I'm not firing you anytime soon. So unless somebody else fires you. Um, all right. Well, I do think it's talking about food as the actual subject here. And I'm, right. and I think I agree with you. I think and Phil, no doubt. I, it's easier to say I, I'd agree with Brother Trent than it is. To uh, say I agree with <laughs> thanks. Um, but I do want to say the principle, though, I think he's showing all that, though, is there is a freedom in Christ that we have now that that freedom of Christ does not roll over into participating in the works of the flesh. Yeah. That freedom of Christ is freedom from the, the bondage of the law. Mm-hmm. That's the freedom, not yeah, from the that's good. not from sin. And to get away to do it, mm-hmm. it's the freedom from the bondage of the law, and he he has made what was once unclean clean, and so let's not make this about religious ceremony, um, but also we never Christian liberty and Christian freedom according to like Galatians five, uh-huh. when you have that conversation, in the same verse he discusses freedom he also says to have no partaking of these works of the flesh, yeah. So the Christian freedom is never to partake of the flesh, it's to partake of the freedom of Christ that you have been redeemed and the laws have been fulfilled and you don't have to fulfill the law because Christ has fulfilled it for you. He has become your once and for all sacrifice. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on. We probably got time for one more before we get brother Walid um, Zaru in here. I hope I'm saying this right name, right? I'm sorry if I'm not. You are. Um, how, how do you know, Hannah? Hmm. I mean, she talked to him. Yeah, I talked to him. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, I'm trusting Miss Gretchen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we trust Miss Gretchen around here. <laughs> yeah. Mom read me some passages from that book, and it was good, really good. Yeah. So, well, um, I'm excited for it. Uh, let's do one more question. If you, if we are made a new creation or new creature, why does Ephesians chapter four twenty two tell us to put off the old man? Um, Ephesians what? 422. 422. Ephesians 4.22. It says that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. 
All right, be so renewed in the spirit of your mind. Yeah. But you cannot interpret 22 right without 21 and 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And this is the truth that's in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. This is ESV. The old man which grows corruption according to the deceitful lies and lust. I think we really do this scripture injustice because Paul's trying to tell us, basically, if you're not— Go ahead and read verse 23 and 24. And be renewed in your spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true holiness and righteousness. And— and so I believe right here is Paul saying this is the truth of what's happened in you. I actually don't think we're continually putting off the old man. I think the truth is that was in Christ Jesus is that when we are born again, the old man has been taken off and the former corruption, and we have put on the new man. I agree. That's just my opinion. I think we misinterpret the scripture and take it as this is something Paul's telling us to continually do, but this is... You have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught. What are those? You're your English teacher? That's meaning that those are past. That's already accomplished, right? Yeah. As the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct. That's sent it seems like you're transitioning to present time. But I think that I think the transition is this is the this is the promise in Christ Jesus that has already been accomplished because of Christ. And we have learned this. That would be my take in the scriptural interpretation of that, but I could be way wrong. So if I'm way wrong, you all just tell me. I'm, so as the as you know, we are a new creature, and then the that old man has been um, eradicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would we would it be true to say that? But Satan is he's always trying to reattach that those old tendencies, those old. Um, lifestyles or whatever. You well, I think it. the thing we have to understand then is the pushing farther. Yeah. So we have been made a new man, but there's still a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Right. My spirit is new. My heart is new. But then I still got this flesh thing to clean up. And this is where Paul goes into verse 25, therefore put away lying. All right. So he tells us before we have put on the new man mm-hmm. and um, our our minds being renewed, you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, put away lying. So now he starts to go right into what the things of our flesh we should put away. So now I say it like this. The, the heart has been made new. The mind is now renewed and being renewed. Now it's time for your hands to catch up. It's time for your mouth to catch up. And, and then the rest of that chapter, he kind of gives you the you know, here's what the flesh would do or, or the old man would do, but here's what the new man produces. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think we're still putting, I think we're putting off things that are still habitual, things we've been taught, and some of that comes with renewing our mind. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a question whether we're walking in the old man or the new man. I think that's a question of the new man, like the flesh being um, beat into submission almost taking every thought captive, punishing every disobedience. So we come into complete obedience in Second Corinthians 10, is that, you know, I think that we think that with the cross, you know, it, it puts us in a predicament where we don't ever have to deal with anything. The cross actually puts us in a predicament where we can overcome everything. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think with that, we, there's not one ounce of me is trying to figure out if I'm getting to heaven or not. 
but on the earth, I'm still being renewed in the image of the Son in my flesh. And I need to be more like him today than I was yesterday, more like him tomorrow than I am today. But that's not to obtain salvation or to save, stay saved. That's to walk in the salvation that's already mine because of the cross. And I think that's where we're dealing with the, the, the sins that easily beset us. But I don't think just because we're dealing with sins that easily beset us, that means that we're walking in the old man. We're still walking a new man because we've been made newness of life. And I think we do an injustice when we try to go back and forth all the time. Am I the, is this the new man or is this the old man? The old man is supposed to be dead. What's happening, I think, is the new man inside is now manifesting on the outside. But that would be just my take. So I'm open for correction and rebuking. Well, I'm with you. When we're thinking about the old man and the new man, I'm, I'm just seeing identity. So you, we can't have two identities of the old man and the new man. Mm-hmm. We have to have one. So if we our identity is now in the new man, we might still have those other things that we have to deal with, but we're doing it from a place of identity in Christ now, whereas before our identity was in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So now when we have the new identity, those lying and the, all the fleshly things should feel foreign to us or not foreign like we remember it from our past but it should be uncomfortable it should be in opposition to who we are now mm-hmm. so it should be we should be quick to be able to take those thoughts captive because we know that it's not our new nature now yeah yeah and, and if you push a little farther too it's under the old nature and under the old man, we were incapable of overcoming sin mm-hmm. because we were sinful. Yeah, because but, we were the same nature. We yeah. were of that nature. Yeah, but now that we have a new nature, we have, we're have we a new creation, now Romans 6 says, I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. And, and we're able to take on that new nature. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because, you know, well, just like uh, I was looking through all the different things it said, uh, you know, put away lying, but mm-hmm. now speak truth. You can do that. Corrupt you know? speech. Mm-hmm. And right, hmm. you don't have to be angry. Yeah. Yep. Um, still, no longer, but rather let them work and earn. Mm-hmm. Let no corrupt word come out. Um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by who you were sealed in the day. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Mm-hmm. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So that's um, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Amen. Good stuff. I always like that passage. Yeah. Uh, and from 25 all the way into the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't know how much time we have. But that, um, starting there all the way through the end of, of chapter 6, it, it basically covers every type of relationship that you'll ever encounter, uh, just from person to person, uh, husband to wife, uh, yeah. employer to employee, employee, you know, father to uh, and parents to children, that sort of thing, and even children to parents. So it covers it all, and uh, that's, it's a good passage. It, started, it starts there, but it, it basically says, you know, this is what... You used to do, now do this. Yeah. yeah. I think Ephesians is one of the most like practical, mm-hmm. applicable, as especially as a new believer, to be able to read that. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a guide mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. And I, I had to step out, so I don't know if you covered this or not, but the the scriptures don't just say don't do this, as many people and the devil would like us to think, that it's all about rules and regulations, but it's not. 
when when the scriptures do tell us not to do something, it's replacing it with a wholesome and a, and a, and a godly yeah. thing. Don't lie, speak truth. Yeah, because mm-hmm. holiness is not just what we're not doing. Holiness is just as so much about what we are, are doing. doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. because we have made it, we've made holiness morality, but holiness is far greater than just being moral. Right. Holiness well, is being like Jesus. On what's on the outside, not yes. mm-hmm. what's on the inside. Yeah. And, um, and again, a byproduct and a consequence of holiness is morality. Right. Because you will not be immoral and holy. But holiness does not stop it just becoming moral. If that's the case, you, have, you, would, have Muslim, you would have some Muslims that are holy, moral. You have Hindus that are moral. You have people that proclaim to be atheists that are maybe contra- uh, just as moral as some believers seem mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. But holiness, I think, is a different different mm-hmm. conversation, and um, and I I do love Ephesians for that. I think Ephesians is a rich book for being six chapters. I probably in eighteen years I've taught more from the book of Ephesians than any other book. And if I had one book to take with, all right, well I don't know. It, it's changing. I used <laughs> to say without a doubt it would be Ephesians. I'm taking to a desert island. I just love it. But the one I'm taking now, y'all gonna laugh at me. It may be the book of Revelation. Oh, my. I don't know why. <laughs> I have, I just love that book. Um, so you should be blessed if you read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you could give me God, you if you give me the Gospel of John, Ephesians, and Revelation, I'd be a pretty happy guy. Just give me those three books. Now, I'd be much happier if I had a Bible, just a whole Bible, because never understood this. If you could only have one book of the Bible, like, what are you going to do? Just rip it out on the plane if you go down on a desert island? Um, just give me the whole Bible. But if I had to have three, that would be it. What would be yours, Jason? We got two minutes. I got three. We could, no, you only one. get one. You only get one. You only have time to rip one page out or one book. I don't know. I, probably John. Yeah, I would I would think Chronicles for you. I do uh, like I, Well, then, I'll, then that's, there's two there. Not <laughs> first and second. <laughs> what about you, Miss Gretchen? I do love the history because there's a, so much you know, that you can see there about. Yeah. And what? you can pronounce those name, names any way you want. Nobody's. That's true. You're on a desert island. Yeah. Maybe Romans. Romans. It's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like Romans a lot. Hannah, what do you say? Mine used to be Romans, but I I think I might have to say Ephesians too. I love Ephesians. Because it's, it's probably the one that I've been in the most. Yeah. Yeah. You probably don't want Jonah. At that point, um, Joan will remind you how you got there, probably. Uh, <laughs> make you afraid to go out in the sea. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I love Ephesians, but I really like Revelation lately, so it would be hard for me. But we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back in here with Brother Walid uh, Zaru and excited for the interview with him. He's on hold. We're going to take a brief, brief break, and then we'll be back with more on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Alrighty, we are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio. We're excited for our guest this morning, Brother Walid Razuru. I have his book in front of me, Why Not You? An Invitation to a Spirit-Led Life, Reaching Everyone, Everywhere, Every Day. Brothers, um, Walid, how are you doing? I'm better than I deserve. Good morning. I hope you're doing well also. Oh, yes, we are. How was your toast? Was it good? 
Yes, I, I got half of it down. The other half is for you. All right, thank you. Um, that's generosity. That's that's called humility, right? Thinking of others more than yourself. That's what Philippians two says, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we have been excited to hear from you. Um, looking at your book in front of us, uh, Miss Gretchen, who's in the studio as well, uh, she's been reading this book and really enjoying it. And so tell us, the listeners a little bit about um, who you are, your testimony, where you came from, and got you to the point of writing the book, Why Not You? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm a Palestinian-American born. My father immigrated from Israel. Uh, from the coast of Israel in 1956 to New York City on the Queen Elizabeth and um, chased the American dream here. His father was a pastor and evangelist. He came to Christ in the early 1900s through American missionaries. So we have a spiritual heritage. In fact, our history goes back to the second, third century um, under Roman persecution. But anyway... (laughs) So I wasn't raised in the gospel. My dad was what mm-hmm. we term a backslider. And, um, but when he was an old man, my, my father brought my granddad over from, uh, from, from uh, the Middle East to live here in the U.S. And uh, he was an intercessor. The man prayed sometimes up to eight hours a day, and he was praying for us and, uh, as a teenager. And, but anyway, so that influence was there. Uh, I, uh, my brother was a Division One basketball guy who had some scholarships on the table. He was going to meet with UCLA. And he came back talking about Jesus Christ. Well, what I didn't know is that he was uh, asking a lot of questions about true Christianity. Well, anyway, fast forward a little bit, he converted, hmm. became a born-again follower of Jesus, and I did not like that. Uh, by 16 to 18, I was already running a little international drug ring, so I was a bitter very mm-hmm. bitter young man, a lot of hatred, uh, demon oppressed in, in many ways, um, not seeing that at the time, of course, opening my mind up through different through drugs, obviously, and uh, just that hatred was in my heart. Um, and I flew to California to, to, to kill this man who I thought uh, ruined my brother's mind, and uh, that was my first encounter with the power of God. Wow, and uh, I came to see. I had quite, I came back from that experience, seeing my brother's life drastically change. Knowing he encountered God somehow, and I, I I didn't know how God could change my brother like that, but He did. So I had a lot of questions. What What does it mean to be born again? What is the Bible? Is it really truth? And is Jesus Christ really who He said He was? So I set out to answer those questions uh, uh, for several weeks, would spend 16, 18 hours a day in the library, comparing Catholic catechism to the Bible, because both were claiming to be the truth. There was So that launched me on to understand all my questions were answered, and I realized Jesus wanted to be the Lord of my life, and I'd have to surrender my life and let him be the boss, and that was where the conflict occurred, so I wasn't ready to surrender. And of course, as you guys understand, the Lord wreaked havoc in my life in many ways, <laughs> draw, drawing me to himself, that holy hole kept getting emptier and emptier, mm-hmm. and by the age of 22, I was up in Philadelphia, I was up doing some of my undergrad study there, I came back to Maryland, my mom was sick with cancer, and I moved back there, finished up at Maryland, and uh, 1989 February, I cried out to Christ through a set of circumstances, 
brought me to a church where you know some more miraculous testimonies but I, in 1989 I got born again by the grace of God and it feels like yesterday guys mm-hmm. hallelujah mm-hmm. all that bitterness immediately left hatred hatred in my heart for Jews immediately left hatred uh, the, 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 the sky was bluer the, the bird sounded pretty yeah all those things happened. And uh, immediately the hatred was gone, and my heart was filled with with love and compassion for everyone. And I haven't been able to stop telling G- people about Jesus since. So yeah, I feel like I'm just started. Well, let me, and I may have missed this. I was trying to hear. Uh, I was trying to keep up. But did you live in Palestine? No, I was born here. Me and my brothers were born here. I did spend some summers there as a, as a kid. Okay. Well, I do. I do speak Arabic. So do you have do you have connections right now in Palestine with people going through everything and how's I you, have relatives in the West Bank. Okay. I have relatives who live in the West Bank, more like second cousins. Uh-huh. The majority of my family immigrated here and started families here. Yeah. Uh for many many years now, but I do have second cousins there and hear hear stuff here and there. Yeah, it's not looking good there, folks. No. Not looking good at all. <clears throat> well, Let's push forward now. Now God's redeemed your life. God's brought you out. Um, then I know that Miss Gretchen was saying that you you all had um, owned a pizza place. Is that correct? I came back from the yes, it is. I came back from the mission field in in uh, nineteen ninety one. And where was that from? I was in I was in Central America. Okay, I was in four countries preaching the gospel there. Wow. I was working with a Assembly God missionary a brother named Mike Hines. I lived with him. With, a young believer, I was about three years in the Lord, very privileged to live with him, such a man of God. He preached to 66 million people. and I went down to my 20s, uh, all buffs. I used to be a boxer. I was going to be a professional fighter. And so I was just eating every two to three hours. <laughs> yeah. And this man fasted and prayed more than he didn't. Well, I so eat every two hours, but it's not to be a boxer. I just like food. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> My man. <laughs> Kindred spirit, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it happens. So, yeah, that was, I, you had to learn survival tactics, you know, but it was an amazing influence on my life. I'm very grateful for the man of God who's gone before me and sowed into my life for sure. Yes, sir. So that was, I came back from the mission field in 91. I was working on my NTS, and uh, I figured once that's done, I would be full-time on the mission field. So in the meantime, while I'm working on my MTS through distance learning, I opened up a, a salon, a barbershop in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, mm. very central to the D.C. metro area, the, the nicest malls are there, the area where 20, 25% of the area is employed. So it's a serious hub. And it's a, you know, it's a pretty affluent area. So we opened the, the barber shop there, International Barbers, in 19, what was that, 1993. So I, I was ordained as a deacon in 94. I was married in 93. Uh, came back Mission Field, met my wife here. So there was a lot going on, and we were, we set it up to preach the gospel from that business. And, and uh, we were reaching what... Miss Gretchen, you might have read in the book a term called the up and outers, uh, mm-hmm. not the down and outers, but the <laughs> up and outers. And uh, I mean, founders of, of some of the most prominent con- 
companies you guys would know of in, 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 the, in the U.S. here. And these were people you wouldn't get an audience with, but through the service, you know, the Bible says the man gifts makes room for himself and brings yeah. him before great men in, in uh, Proverbs. So that's what happened, you know, and, and, and I was in some ways despising it, waiting for God to send me to the mission field. I'm like, okay, Lord, it's been two years. Past two years now, I thought by now for sure I'd be back on the field. It's heading to three years now. I'm getting antsy, and the Lord just said, you're on the mission field. Wow. Mm-hmm. America needs it more. Come on. So I realized, and I always believe, I said, you know, a missionary is just a Christian who lives in another country. In other words, if we're not going to preach the gospel here, what makes me think once I get into another nation, I'm going to start so being on fire for God? Come on. And, yeah. So there was, you know, I, I believe that, but it was amazing because we saw the hand of God move, and not only, we saw hundreds come to Christ. Um, we saw the power of God. We saw healings and miracles, and uh, and people wanted to, you know, it was a small place, but everybody needed to see their, that chair as a pulpit, mm-hmm. not as a place where we just, of course, the professionalism has to be there, and we, 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 we were up to par on that, and a spirit of excellence, Daniel says, mm-hmm. you know, that we want to move in. So it's just not running our mouth and giving bad service. But <laughs> nor is it just giving good service and thinking we're witnessing. Yeah. You know, the Bible says go out in all the world. And, you know, you got to preach the gospel and no one's going to get born again for sure. And uh, so many today do, do uh, believe that their work ethic is their witness and that is a part of it but no one will be born of the spirit unless they respond to the gospel mm-hmm. and no, no one will be healed and you won't see prayers answered unless we're praying for people so it's designed to be active and engaging you know the gospel is entrusted to us the church the believers as individuals to go spread that and reach people right where we are so it's really lifestyle evangelism it's Everyone, everywhere, every day. I mean, for years, I people are scared. Today, more than ever, there's people sticking their head in the sand and just hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. There's a spirit of fear. And the Bible says we have not received a spirit of Come fear. Come on. Yes, sir. And I believe that spirit is a spirit. There is a spirit about it, and it's, it's a demonic one that's moving in fear. And people, mm. God has a solution for that. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. And he came to fill us, to mm-hmm. give us boldness. So we won't be filled with fear, and we will go proclaim His love and reach our neighbors, reach our co-workers, ask for wisdom and how to do that, and, and be that light right where we're at, whether it's a, a mom going to the grocery store who feels worthless because she left her secular job and doesn't have access points, or she's not full-time in the ministry, she's just home raising uh, five kids, you know, as if it's a less deed or less valuable to the kingdom. Yeah. And... uh so absolutely, it's about being intentional everywhere, being available, constantly looking for the Holy Spirit, and just kindness, kindness expressed right where we're at really opens the door probably more than anything. They're just engaging. So sorry I took a side note, but for me, I ended up being in that business for 10 years. The greatest joy is probably seeing not only the Lord use us, but discipling other believers uh, and seeing the Holy Spirit use them and work and operate through them. So tra- through a set of circumstances, a back injury I got, uh, training, we ended up needing a larger salon. Um, and my, my 
children were young at that time. So we we sold the place, expanded into a larger, another location. And uh, through another set of circumstances, felt like we could convert that place into a, uh, a pizza concept, which I grew up in that industry also. And uh, we did. So we set up another uh, two corporations with evangelistic outreaches as a vision. Uh, of course, I was calling it Kingdom Investment back then. It's, you know, supporting missionaries, uh, lands, and different things. You know, the kingdom does operate with money. Mm-hmm. So there is that element. I, and I, there was a real grace for me to walk in that for a season of my life. And you can't outgive God, but I tell people it's fun trying. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Free, freely we receive freely we give and that's been a real joy just to sow in the other missionaries other evangelists other pastors and different uh segments of the body of christ and see people flourish in, in their call and where the lord's placed them in the body so we've done that for 10 years so i'd say about 28 year, years um now while that's happening of course i'm traveling i'm taking teams abroad uh, the other nations, my brother's planning churches in East Africa, our, our church is planning uh, other churches in different countries. So I've involved in taking mission teams abroad for, I don't know, 20 years, um, preaching crusades, uh, outreaches here, taking teams, whether it's the parks to preach, the malls, uh, um, working at conferences, showing other other Christian businessmen, how, how to use their business as a platform for the kingdom, um, how, whether it's a plumber, an electrician, how can they be kingdom-minded? If they haven't, how can they start becoming more that way? If they have a, a new business concept and they want to implement it for world missions and nations that don't give uh, missionary permission, they do give business permission, how do we do that? So I've worked with different organizations, different conferences, had the privilege to, you know, but always enjoying the one-on-one constantly. You know, we were just in Italy uh, celebrating 30 years, our anniversary, me and my wife, and um, had an amazing time, but I can't tell you how many people I prayed with while I'm there. I can't just, whether it's a person you're, you're looking to buy a, a, a coat from, uh, this store, that store, a restaurant, the owner of this business, uh, the salesperson, it's the same here, you know, just constantly leading with prayer, asking people, can I pray for you? Uh, it's nothing special. It's just being intentional and available, and it's amazing what God can do with a whole bunch of nothing when we give it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do the same thing Thank a you. lot in restaurants and stuff like that with my, my waitresses or servers. I um Miss Gretchen said, you said the same thing I say quite a bit. Like when I'm preaching or teaching on Sunday mornings, I'm like, you know, the the way to con- to start a gospel conversation is not, hey, you're going to hell. Sorry about that. You know, um, a lot of times what I do is, and it sounds like you're doing the same thing a lot, is, you know, how can I pray for you? And I'm always, no matter how many times I've asked that question, no matter how many conversations started, it's actually every time almost, it's just a door open because people don't put those walls up and people don't think, well, they're just out here to try to tell me I'm going to ha-. No, like we love them and the father loves them and we want people to know just how much he does. And I couldn't tell you how many great conversations started with the God, like with that question that leads into the gospel amen. leads into sharing Jesus. And absolutely. Uh, and amen. Yeah, definitely. You get to follow up with the gospel so often. 
after taking a genuine compare, compassion with them. The Bible says, as you was in this world, so are we. A question I get on that is, well, what, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? Mm-hmm. I said, it really doesn't matter. You're not the Holy Spirit. You can't heal no one. Yep. And, but Christ told you to do this. You just obey. Mm-hmm. And uh, the worst case scenario is you love that person. They feel the kindness and the expression of God's love in you and through you to them. And it naturally opens up. You know, there was a, there's different seasons. I mean, there's times where I, I remember 80% of everyone I was praying for was being healed. And then there's other times where it was the opposite, or if any. Mm-hmm. But God's love was still going forth and being extended to them. And we're just salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And we're still being perfected, perfected into the image as sons and daughters of Christ. It's a process. And certainly the Lord's not judging us if they're not healed. They're just, he takes the light that we're willing to reach out in obedience and in faith and be an extension of his love to those around us. Yeah. What would you say to the person that's listening right now and they're going, I really, like, my heart is to share, my heart is to witness, my heart is to get out there, but I'm really not for sure how to articulate the gospel, how to even say, um, you know, give a gospel presentation per se. Well, I have a problem with kind of saying it like that anyways. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people that has that fear. And yeah. what would you encourage them to, you know, because you talk about an invitation to a spirit-led life, reaching everyone everywhere every day. How does people start to overcome that fear to even engage in that? Right. I, I, I think a couple things. Uh, first of all, that's a great question, and you get, I get it a lot. And first of all, that's normal. I mean, I'm an evangelist. I, I, I've spoken to thousands of people at one time and, and one-on-one, you know, constantly, but I, I still get nervous, you know, uh, at times. Uh, but here's the thing. First of all, we have to just remember the good news to ourselves. And I think the point, uh, this term, preach the gospel to yourself, might have made, made famous more by, through Jerry Bridges' book. But preach the gospel to yourself first. Mm-hmm. You know, remember, it's good news to you. you know, we've been redeemed from death and destruction and the power of sin. And, and we become heirs and joint heirs with Christ. You know, we're... We have assurance of our salvation because of the blood of Jesus. Uh-huh. And that, that's amazing. And yes, it's okay to be nervous and fearful, but when we, as uh, Proverbs 11 says, those who, the one who wins souls is wise. Uh-huh. So there's the wisdom when we go to the Father and we say, Lord, how do I reach my neighbors? I tell people just to start in prayer. First of all, thank the Lord that you have that desire to reach them because that's not you, that's God in you. You know, you don't care about anyone except me, myself, and I, the trinity of the flesh. And the fact that you have a, a desire to reach other people is, is evidence of God's presence in your heart. Mm-hmm. So, number one, be thankful for that. Thank you, Father, that you put that desire for my neighbor, my cousin, my co-worker. Because the, the statistics say that about 85% of those who've come to faith in Christ has been through a personal contact, not through a crusade. Though they're exhilarating and fun to preach, it's, it's, it's everyone everywhere. It's the church mobilizing in their neighborhood. I mean, there's no reason why each church can't double in one year. Mm. If everyone reaches one this year and then starts discipling them, each church would double in a year. And is it much, is, it, is, it, is, it, is God's arm so short that he cannot save? You know, 
the Bible says, well, he's, is he not willing? He's not willing that any should perish, Peter says. But that all. So when we're praying the will of the Father, when we're praying for souls, when we're praying for our neighbor, you're praying God's heart, and that's God's heart praying through you. So God has that much, you know, it, it's, it, we have to take the pressure off of me. It's not about me to make it happen. That's good. I, I try to pray for wisdom constantly, how to, how to, I just try to treat everyone as a lost brother or sister, a, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, uh, uh, a prodigal, mm-hmm. son or daughter. I try to see them how Christ does through the blood. I just try to see them as, man, you know, this lost soul here. So the Bible says without a vision that people perish. And we're the ones who need the vision. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who need our eyes and our hearts open to see the reality of, of, of the souls around us, the reality that life is so short and temporary, and it's so it appointed unto man or a woman to die once, and then there is a judgment. How can we be so self-absorbed and walk around and not care? Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes it's just image. It's our image. And, and, and we have no image if we become followers of Christ. We, we, it's not I who live anymore, but Christ. What, what are we? What, what are we fearful of? We should be fearful not to tell people about the gospel. And instead of fearing telling them about the gospel, we, 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 so pray for clarity. For how can I clearly, with simp- simply communicate the simple truth of the gospel? You know, have have you? Has anyone ever showed you in the Bible? How you can be sure when you die today you can go to heaven? If you were to die today, you can... Has anyone ever showed you that in the Bible? You know, you don't have to hit it from the negative, like you said, Aaron. You can just always approach it. Can I show you in the Bible? Has anyone ever showed you if you were... When you're to die, that you can be certain you're going to heaven? No, no one's ever shown me. May I show you? You know, the, the most powerful evangelistic tool is still the Scriptures. Yet it's the, it's the least used. And um, I, I, I've seen people just tremble, just showing them scriptures. I have little Bible, evangelistic, large print, simple translation. And uh, I was at a university uh, where about 20,000 students live here in Virginia. I was invited to preach over there. And people talk about Gen Z and this generation. Let me tell you something. This generation is hungry for Jesus. The Muslims are hungry for Jesus. The world is hungry. They're lost. I don't find the challenge if Christians, if this generation or people are open to the gospel. Jesus said the fields are white and ripe on the harvest. Amen? Mm-hmm. I find the biggest challenge is mobilizing Christians to go share the gospel. Yeah. Because right now the statistics share that only 1% of professed Christians share, their, share the gospel, share their faith. Yeah. So how are we going to win this battle? How are we going to reach the souls for Jesus? Yeah. And I, you know, so we have to, number one, those who are fearful, just start praying. Praying for your neighborhood, praying for your family, praying for those with sphere of influence. You can write their names down if you want, but just start through prayer. God does nothing but by through prayer, period. Mm-hmm. So start praying. And then you'll, your burden and your heart will start growing, and then, the, and then ask for wisdom. 
I came back one year. I was just burdened. I was, it was a, the move of God in Africa. We were, I was on a crusade uh, every two, three days. I was preaching in different uh, villages, uh, helping young churches get off the ground. And, and, the, and the move of God we saw for two weeks was was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the plane and I'm crying. And I think I think I referenced this reference this misscription in the book. Um, and just weeping. I was like, Lord, are you geographically limited? Are you not the same God in, in America? Do we have to go overseas where people are more desperate? Lord, I'm desperate. I, I live in a affluent neighborhood, yet they're going to hell just like everyone else. How can I reach them? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and I'm weeping in the plane, and I just heard one word, the kids. Who are the, ki- the kids? I think the kids. Praise God. April, April coming up, a uh, resurrection, Easter resurrection celebration. So I was like, what greater, what greater time than to just tell the neighbors what Easter's really about? Yeah. So we just rented a moon bounce. We, we did an interactive uh, uh, Easter story with my, my, my kids were small, and Mama brought out the guitar, and they started singing some worship songs. All these little kids in the neighborhood are learning these songs and these interactive motions. And we had an interactive Easter story, and I got this video from, I think it was a Nest video. They did a really good job with their videos for the kids, the NEST. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always enjoyed the Bible stories, maybe as yeah. much as my, my daughter did. But anyway. Well, we've got about so, two minutes left. we got about Go t- ahead. I, I, well, I'm good. So you ask me whatever you want. I'm good. Well, I got we got two minutes left, and I do want to read this scripture because you. I think you're hitting all around it. Um, John four thirty five. Do you not say there are four more months, then come the harvest? But actually, he says, "Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and just look at the fields. The problem is not the fields. The problem the laborers are looking Amen. down, and we Amen. just got to look up and see the fields, and then we realize just how ripe they are." And that comes from a compassionate heart, and that comes from getting the Father's heart. And you won't see the fields right if you're just walking around looking at the ground all the time. We're looking at our phones. (laughs) Well, I was looking at my phone to read Scripture, Hannah. All right. (laughs) Uh, Brother um, Waleed, I really enjoyed you being on. We're going to have to do this again. Um, Tell us where they can find your book, find, find your website, information about your ministry, how people can find more resources. Absolutely. The website is WaleedZaru.com, and I'll spell that. W-A-L-E-E-D-Z, like zebra, A-R-O-U, dot com. WaleedZaru.com. You can, you can uh, sign up for our newsletter there. You can order the book through there. It'll link you to Amazon. And I believe we'll be preaching down in that area on November 4th. Love for your audience to come out whoever's available i don't remember the name of the church i think miss gretchen does mm-hmm. yes miss uh <clears throat> renee Otterburn, uh her and kenny are the pastors there it's a new life faith church it's at 3105 charlie moran highway and that's november the 4th at 4 p.m that's a saturday so it's in horse cave love area. to meet you guys mm-hmm. yeah anyone come out love to meet you guys we'll have some books there for sale i'll be glad to sign it and meet you and pray with you also well thank you brother so much really appreciated the interview had a great time god bless you and we'll hear from you soon honored to be here thank you all god bless you too mm-hmm. thank you all right well we're out of here for this day miss gretchen miss hannah thank you guys for this morning
Uh, Jason left, so I'm not thinking him at all. <laughs> uh, but no, it's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to go Amen. tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. And we'll get this up on the podcast and uh, these events on the events. Page. Amen. Well, we're out of here. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.